0: All right, so we are continuing eight essential elements of the biblical Christian gospel. Uh, The element eight elements are listed in Roman numeral one. We are in element seven. This is the one hundred and eleventh message in this uh, series, uh, which we started on May seventeenth in two thousand. That's a typo. That's two thousand fifteen, not two thousand five. (laughs) And. Your, the notes say 2005. Uh, hopefully, I'll remember to get that fixed for next week. But we've been on this series for two years and three months so far, and uh, we uh, obviously, if you do the math, and we're only at 111, that means there's been eight or ten messages on other topics during the during the two and years and three months. Uh, but we've stayed pretty focused on this series. Recently, we've <clears throat> been doing Element Seven, which is the pattern of the five first steps of entering the kingdom, and under Roman numeral t- two point three, step three of of what, of what you're supposed to go through the first week you're a Christian is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And um, currently, um, I'd say we have pioneered back. You know, you can't get every, back on a journey in one week. We've probably arang- arrived at the Point where most people are getting baptized in the spirit in the first few weeks to a few months. They're a Christian uh, uh But in, in in the culture at large a lot of Christians are not ever getting baptized in the spirit Nor even know about the baptism in the spirit uh, and many Christians uh, we are We were working with our good friend Chris Helzer on the trim this weekend. I hope you like the beams and so forth but um, I remember uh, Chris saying to me in uh, 2001 or two that he had wanted to get baptized in the Holy Spirit for eight years, and that he had gone forward at some altar calls, and uh, nothing had really happened, and I said, well, that's because faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ, and you'll easily get baptized in the Holy Spirit if you just get some instruction." So we've uh, something that began with Charles Finney and a lot of revivals, or even with Wesley and and uh, <clears throat> um, Jonathan Edwards, and not Jonathan Edwards so much as George Whitfield, people like that. Is this idea of doing things by altar calls? So th- what happens in an altar call mentality is the Holy Spirit really does tug at someone's heart, and he's knocking at their door, but they're responding with insufficient information. I remember I went forward at a Billy Graham crusade in 1972 and the Holy Spirit was moving on me enough that I, I was an atheist at the time and I said, maybe there's something to what this guy's saying. Maybe there is a God. And then I figured... You know, if I went forward, I can get my dad off my back. So I'm going to go forward and get prayed for, even whether I believe it or not. I don't care. I'll, this would get me points for uh, being able to do more drugs. And uh, so I went forward and prayed this sinner's prayer, and and got some literature, and people shook my hands and congratulated me on receiving Jesus, and I didn't receive Jesus at all. <laughs> and uh, so. That's the, the problem. So, you know, we're doing a rethink on everything. And one of the things I want to say you need to rethink is, get, you know, we have four or five books on being baptized in the Spirit. We have a short series of four teachings. We have this longer series, which is now in its 25th week. Uh, it'll finish out probably 35, 40 weeks. And uh, so... Um, You know, there's plenty of ways to to get informed and and to uh, be instructed and, and that kind of thing. But faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Get prayed for to get baptized in the Spirit, but get prayed for after you know a little bit about it. And if you want to know about the baptism in the Spirit, even in our natural minded, spiritually confused religious mess that we're in, you can probably know enough about the baptism in the Spirit within a few weeks if you wanted to, if you just got focused. then If you are a born-again Christian following Jesus and you uh, do not have a prayer language and you do not move in spiritual gifts and you've never cast demons out or any of that kind of stuff, don't stay there. That's American humanism. That has nothing to do with Christianity. Real Christians cast out demons. Real Christians prophesy real christians speak in tongues real christians have supernatural help to walk in in the power of the resurrection of christ every day you can't live the christian life without that the christian life isn't just difficult it's impossible if you have things that you're fear of man or addictions or habits or whatever that you're struggling with the first thing to examine is how much of the power of the holy spirit is my life got because you're not going to overcome Uh, deep character flaws and and grow in Christ apart from the supernatural power of the resurrected Christ available in the person, ministry, and power of the Holy Spirit beginning with being baptized in the Holy Spirit. So with that, let's get into today's message. Uh, The last uh, few weeks, we uh, looked at uh, a phrase... Pentecost is the pinnacle and plenitude of all God's purposes, plans, and promises. We are not going to review that. There's a summary statement for everyone called to be a follower or a disciple of Christ. That is a Christian. That's in the Bible. We have, of course, part of our religious confusion is we have, we have made it into two categories of Christians. There are those who have prayed the sinner's prayer and are going to heaven, supposedly, but want nothing to do with the kingdom of heaven or the lordship of Christ or walking in obedience to God now. <laughs> and, and those who have decided they want more from God now and have decided to become disciples and so forth. Uh, there's actually major evangelical groups that have, you know, like uh, there's one campus ministry that has a pamphlet called Have You Made the Discovery of the Spirit-Filled Life? But if you act, it mean, doesn't mean anything to do with the title. If you read it, it's basically saying there's this category called you've received the four spiritual laws and you've received Jesus and therefore you're punching the ticket to heaven. But ego is still on the throne of your heart. And Christ has now come from the outside of your life, just barely in the circle of your life. <laughs> but he's still way up there and you're still the Lord. That's a non-Christian. They call that a beginning Christian. And then you might want to go to the optional extra of putting ego out to the side and putting Christ on the center of your heart and it's clearly presented as an optional extra the Bible makes no such presentation that's what it means to be converted to Christ that's what it means to get started when when you have a basic desire to hunger and thirst for righteousness to make Jesus Lord to uh, to know him when it's a consuming passion that keeps you up at night that causes you to study on your knees if you have to 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 grow, to, to break habits, to fast, to get counsel, to do whatever it takes to bust through to more of God, that's called conversion. And that's the starting point of the Christian life. Most evangelical Christians today are more pre-evangelized than they are actually evangelized. In other words, they know enough to consider themselves Christian, but they're really actually kind of on the outside of the Christian life looking in. Because until you get a, a passion to be saved from your own lordship. See, we have this thing that you'll be saved from heaven, but you can still be your own God and your own Lord. That is not biblical Christianity that is deception. It doesn't matter that 98% to 99% of evangelical Christians teach that, it's still deception. Just because 10,000 flies eat manure doesn't make them right. So, um, getting baptized in the Holy Spirit is a beginning step that That is the culmination of all the promises of God, and it's like paying earnest money when you make an offer on a house or a deposit on a loan. you know uh, you know on our culture uh, in the last twenty years uh, a, a trend in business has been a flirtation with the idea of doing legal documents and things with nothing down and and it's Probably gonna be a long time before it's clear whether that can hold up in court or not. But the truth of the matter is nothing ventured, nothing gained. There really is no start without until the first payment. And what getting baptized in the Holy Spirit is, is it's God's first payment in your salvation. It's a the pledge of the promise of the powers of the age to come. It's a taste of Jesus' resurrection. And it's an awesome beginning experience in the Christian life. So, uh, today we are going to move on to starting to talk about common hindrances or obstacles to being baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're going to be on this about six weeks. We're going to look at five major obstacles to being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, First thing we're going to look at today, we're on Roman numeral four, if you're following on the outline, about two-thirds of the way down the first page. We're going to try to cover three points today. Uh, The first one is the blessing and necessity of obstacles, hindrances, and resistance. Why you need trouble. The reason there's a Satan and the demons is because you need them. The reason God doesn't uh, take your flesh out of you when you receive Jesus is you need to kill it. You need war. Praise the Lord. Isn't Jesus such a loving person? You need the guy who chased the money changers out of the temple with a whip and turned over their tables. Believe me, when you start turning over people's money tables so they're scattered into the crowd and, no, and, no, and people are too scared of you to stop you, you must have some kind of anointing. <laughs> that Jesus wants to become part of who you are. And your approach to sin and, and to life and so forth. Most Christians don't get very pissed off about anything. If you don't get pissed off for God once in a while, I doubt you've received Jesus. If you live in a culture like us and you're not profoundly angry sometimes, you're probably brain dead. Just listen to John's old message called Gay Mirage or what what was it? uh, Same Same Sex Mirage. If you're not angry, read that, listen to that message. As we live in a culture where even the church is shaking its fist to God and saying, we will not have this man, Jesus Christ, rule over us. That is the posture of Christianity today. I'm not about to honor the Lord's Day above my softball team or or do anything else that says that I'm actually an obedient disciple of Jesus. I'd rather have a twelve-inch at Subway when I should have a six-inch at Subway. I, I am not about to bring things under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Neither my fears, my vocabulary, my emotions, my attitudes—nothing. I am my own God, and I do what I want. And let's worship. <laughs> That's the church today. So, one of the amazing things about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit came to bear witness of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. He will give you a desire for holiness. He will help you see not that Jesus is Lord, right? He'll help you understand that Jesus is Lord, right? And that he rules over presidents, nations, He doesn't care about the Democrats or the Republicans or the federal deficit or any of the other evil that goes on in this country. He cares about it, but he's not afraid of it. He is coming to judge the earth. Used to be a song one. All right, so we're going to look at the blessing and necessity of hindrances, obstacles, and resistance. Why you need opposition, why you need to struggle. One of the things that uh, parents do in our day and age, and one of the things the welfare state does in our day and age, is takes away people's need to struggle. That is the most unloving thing to do. There used to be a song, Mother, Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Cowboys. I changed it to Mother, Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Whiners over Wimps. My kids all asked me for a bicycle, and I told them how to mow a lawn so and how they could pay for a bicycle. <laughs> you can have a bicycle, go buy one. But I'm only five. Good. That's why we they make smaller shovels for snow shoveling. <laughs> All right. Uh, secondly, we're going to look at active warfare or resistance versus passive state of being for, uh, hindrances. So when you're when you're helping someone get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have to, there are two issues one is active spiritual warfare there are there are demons and their flesh that don't want them to even focus on that they could you know there are people who go months weeks do all sorts of other things in their christian life when they're not even baptized in the holy spirit yet jesus said don't leave the city till you're baptized in the holy spirit and people are off pursuing their ministry and trying to become famous and and trying i um, and leading campus ministries and doing don't do anything till you're filled with the Holy Spirit. The primary responsibility you have after you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your life is to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, water baptized, and begin the disciplines of living a Christian life in a community of Christians under the obedience of Jesus with spiritual disciplines of study and, and community prayer and all kind of things. And that is your, that is your starting point. Don't go off to save the world when you haven't done all that. Because you'll just add one more voice to the shallowness, compromise, and confusion of our religious Christianity out there. It has plenty of voices. They don't need any more spokesmen of people who don't know that much about the Bible. Who haven't even read it four or five times. Or anything to get started. We have many. We have even preachers like that. Then we're going to hopefully list today what the five uh, topics that we'll be studying in the future are, and, and uh, then we'll. I was going to try to get into the first topic today, but I decided that was too much. So let's get into the n- blessing and necessity of hindrances, obstacles, and resistance. Or, why you need the devil and demons. They're God's gift to you. Why do you need a sin nature? All right, so let's read 1 Peter 4. Beloved, isn't he nice? I love you loves. Come on, let's have a hug. All right, beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal. Which comes upon you for your, that doesn't sound like Joel Osteen. What? I, I'm, I want my money back. <laughs> fire ordeal, wait a minute, I didn't sign up for fire ordeals. Comes upon you for your testing? I was just hoping for some minor pop quizzes once in a while. You're talking testing? Oh no. As though some strange thing were happening to you. You can't even read about it in the Christian bookstores or on Christian TV. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, share the sufferings of Christ? John mentioned, uh, and uh, Jason did, uh, did a, years ago, did a masterful sermon on, on uh, what, when Paul says that he uh, does his part to partake or participate or, or share in the sufferings of Christ. And to complete what's lacking, he says, in the sufferings of Christ. And you, at first glance, you go lacking. How can any be thing be lacking in the sufferings of Christ? Guess what's lacking in the sufferings of Christ? Nothing. From God's point of view, everything from your point of view, because you don't, because they're not yours till you participate in them, joyfully, gladly, and successfully. If you want to know when you ask Jesus or come in your life, did he want to bless your life and make it happy? No, he actually wants to kill you. <laughs> Would you come into my life and kill me? <laughs> that wouldn't get like, we wouldn't get as many on the altar call. Like, who wants God to come into their heart and kill them? <laughs> he's going to really beat the snot out of you, and he's going to get rid of that I want, I will, and I think thing that's been killing you for years. He's going to destroy your enemies, and their enemy is you. Ah, let's go on with 1 Peter. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, that would never sell. Keep on rejoicing, so at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exaltation. If you're reviled for the name of Christ, that'd be awesome. Oh, that's a modern translation. You are blessed, because the spirit of glory and God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a trouble. In other words, don't suffer because you deserve it. <laughs> but if anyone suffers as a Christian, he he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this need. For it is time for judgment to begin with all those unbeliever, worldly people out there who have ungodly TV shows. Is that how it reads? All those nasty humanist, evolutionist, and gamer-odgers. Judgment is, begins with the family of God. It's time for you as his son, to, he chastises every son he receives. To not be corrected, to not have trials, to not have anyone rebuke you means they don't love you very much. It's time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of grace, of, of grace or the gospel of God? And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and sinner? Now, is anybody out there preaching and selling big books like, it's with difficulty that the righteous are saved? This Christian life is tough. You're going to need calluses, not just on your fingertips for playing guitar, but on your knees and on the and on your heart. You're going to need some fortitude, you're going to need some steel in your soul. You're going to need to eat problems for breakfast. You're going to have to learn how to be thankful instead of being a whiner. You want to know what'll really hinder you? Complaining, whining, whimpering and all that stuff. Oh god, why are you so hard? It's no wonder you don't have more friends the way you treat the ones you got already. <laughs> <coughs> Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God, show and trust their souls to a faithful creator, and so forth. I uh, didn't want to go on to another page, so I didn't finish the verse. Flip over to uh, James 1, 2. Now, I love the word consider. If you want to do a Bible study that's fun, just put in the word consider. And look at all the things Jesus tells you to consider. And all the things Paul tells you to consider. Like in Romans 6, consider your flesh dead To this and that and the other thing. In other words, this is what you have to decide to change your thinking about. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. I did the right thing and I got fired. Praise the Lord! I like to do that to people when they come. I did the right thing and I lost my job. Well, that's great. What a blessing. Let's worship. (laughs) Officer Diaz gave me a ticket. (laughs) Maybe God wants you to slow down. Just maybe. Consider it all joy. In other words, it's a matter of what you choose to think about it. You got an unfair boss? Thank God. Quit whining. Sometimes you can almost tell a person who never had a dad in their life because they whine when they go through tough things all the time and whimper and complain instead of, instead of thankful and grateful. The most wonderful things that happen to you is Officer Diaz giving you a ticket, your boss being ab- abusive, your roommate being a slob, <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> You know, there's lots of things God has to grow us up, and none of them are pleasant. Even your wife's not always pleasant, right?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> did you say I'm not going to say? <laughs> no, I
0: say ain't nobody going to say. It. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to say. <laughs> I'm not answering that question. <laughs> No, I'll plead the fifth on that one. All right, where were we? So, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance or long-suffering, and let long-suffering have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Do you know where when Saul had his demise? Guess what, how Saul had his demise. His pastor said we're going to have a meeting. Named Samuel. And his pastor said we're going to offer the sacrifice. Then his pastor was late to the meeting. And Saul decided to go home instead. Saul said, don't offer the sacrifices until I come." But Saul was so easy on himself all the time that all he cared about was the, the couterments of leadership, the, the praises of the people and this so forth. And some of the people were getting impatient waiting for Samuel and started to scatter. So he said, I'll offer the sacrifice so we can all get out of here and get this meeting over with and get home so we don't have to wait on Samuel. He's late. I, I, I'm amazed at the mindset of young Christians today. You know, I, I would have waited to my, my pastor till 5 a.m. if I had to get a chance to talk to him when I was a kid. I'm like 25 or when I was a young kid. Uh, or whatever. Know that the testing of your faith produces character. It produces endurance. It produces stick-to-itiveness. Now, that's not a Bible word, but it should be, so I invented it stick You need some stick <laughs> by the grace of God. It's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. We all need, know the modern versions that say, Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, patience. Patience kind of hard enough, right? You're like, Lord, I'd like some patience, and I want it right now. <laughs> but the King James and the Young's Literal Translation and the Wycliffe in the 1599 Geneva Bible say long suffering. And that's a whole lot lo- longer than patience. How long you have been waiting for God to manifest this thing you're praying for? 27 years. Our, Hebrews 11 says that our, the great heroes of the faith died in anticipation and hope and faith of the promises that had been promised to them. And all they could see him from was a distance that future generations would, would see the things they long for. That's what God wants to put in your soul if you're going to be a Christian. Samuel's late? Okay. But he did say he's coming. So, let's wait. you know, it's amazing how many guys who get B's and C's in school instead of A's because they can't stay up an extra hour to get over the top to get an A in their studying. You know, when I was in college, I, I don't, and I don't think this was wrong, I often studied on my knees at night because the pain in my knees would keep me from sleeping. And, I'm, and, and, uh, and, I, and if I was going to be a leader in the fellowship and, and maintain studying the Bible three hours a day and get all A's, then I couldn't indulge my sleep as much as I wanted to at that age. Now, I'm not telling you you should leave a lifestyle of the levels of sleep I did back then, but I am telling you, you know, when I, when I first went in sales, there was a guy, uh, you know, I was the fourth salesman in a, that was hired in a company, and I passed the third guy in a matter of two or three months. Why? Because if there was more business to be done and it was 5 o'clock, He was ruled by the fact, it's 5 o'clock, I need to get home. And I was like, if I stay until 7, I'm going to make (laughs) $3,000. I'm staying till (laughs) 7. There's money on the table. Don't go home with money on the table. It's amazing to me how many uh, subways and places like this will be in a rush, but we close at 10. And they'll actually close the door on customers. Listen, the... The reason a business is open certain hours is it's its best guess of when the best traffic flow is going to be. And so if it's time to close and there's a line, guess what? We just changed our hours to 11. <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> right? It's amazing how many people don't understand. That's the difference between someone who doesn't have any ownership in their heart and that they're just an hourly employee. We have people like that in the church. There's people who own the place. And there's people who just attend the place. And the people who own the place give financially and time-wise and everything when it hurts. And the people who just uh, want the benefits, who will help me plant the seed? Who will help me weed the, you know? And everyone's willing to eat the bread, but nobody's willing to produce the bread. Where's Taylor? She promised me she'd tell me. Which is that? The chicken little? That's the little red hen? Little red red hen? Okay. Taylor's my expert on little red hen versus... What's the other one that I like? The little red hen versus uh, chicken little. Taylor keeps me straight of which is which. Uh, (laughs) It's one of her most important ministries in the church. (laughs) Straighten me out on Chicken Little versus the Little Red Hen. All right, so um, let endurance is such an important thing. You've got to get to the point where you know. Uh, yesterday, I attended a funeral. It was August nineteenth, the forty-third anniversary of my little brother's death. That was the best, most important thing that ever happened to me when my closest brother died suddenly for no explanation. Nothing has been better than that in my whole life. Because it launched me forward in Christ. And, it, and no matter what it happens to you that causes you to take a step forward in Christ, that's what Paul means when he says, "Momentary light afflictions are producing an internal weight of glory." Think about that statement. We're talking a guy who'd been he'd received the same lashing that Jesus received that that uh maybe in the in the the what's that movie the uh, the Passion of the christ uh Perhaps it was a little overdone. Some of the scenes like when the chain and he fell off the bridge and some of those things are extra biblical. But for the most part, the the whipping was pretty much what the Roman whippings were. The reason they had a rule that they could only do 39 lashes is because the whip had shards of glass and and little metal hooks and things like that. It was designed so when it hit your back and they ripped it off, it would rip the skin off. And there was an absolute rule that you could only do 39 lashes because it was considered that on the average, 40 would kill the person. And they wanted the person to still be alive when they crucified him. Paul received that beating third, three times. And he calls that momentary light afflictions. And I had like Officer Diaz give me a ticket on my way to fellowship. <laughs> and, and once in a while, someone misunderstands me or criticizes me as a pastor. Oh my God. Really? I mean, we are so wimpy. We are perhaps the wimpiest generation in the history of the world right now. Think about it. I study history. I'm not making that statement lately. We are the softest, most out of shape, uh, wimpiest, whiniest, mealy mouthed, little kid in adult bodies generation that has ever lived. You need some hardship. After the Jews from Antioch and Iconium stoned Paul to death, and and after they had preached the gospel of the city to many disciples, they returned to Lystra, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying, Through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Now, read that in the context. I have this statement here. I love this statement. The path of least resistance makes both rivers and men crooked. You know why a river is crooked? Because water is looking for the easiest way to get downhill. And that's okay for rivers, but that'll ruin your life. Most people are looking for, I want to get to bed an hour earlier, and I don't want it to be cold. And I certainly don't want to work if I, you know, if outside if it's cold out there. By, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. That has nothing to do with going to heaven. That has to do with the reign of Christ progressing in your spirit and heart so that you can actually bear fruit that represents him correctly. That has to do with the greatest thing in life, The abundant life is to know Jesus more and to be conformed to his death and the fellowship of his sufferings and to carry the pain in your heart for fallen humanity that he carries so that you can hardly talk sometimes without breaking down crying. What do you cry over? I got a splinter. The reason kids cry when they skin their knee and stuff like that is because they don't have any perspective yet. You don't realize you're going to skin your knee 7,432 times if you're a normal teen boy growing up, and, and every time in like five to seven days, it's going to be better. And eventually, you realize that, and then you're taking a shower, and you go, oh, I got my knees all skinned up. I wonder how that happened. <laughs> you know, because you, eventually, you have more perspective, do hard things on purpose through many trials. I mean, Paul, after he was stoned to death, you know, the brothers are all concerned about him, and when he came conscious, they they thought he was dead, but he was actually just unconscious, and when he woke up, He said, wow, the Stones, that was a great concert. Let's go back to the rock concert in the city. (laughs) Let's go see the Stones. (laughs) (laughs) That was awesome, man. Man, I felt like, when you read that, I'm like, I'll have whatever he's having, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's from a movie. But, uh, <laughs> you know, give me some of that. I didn't have that meeting the other week because I had a little bit of a sore throat, and so I got to be on my biology test because I had a headache. Oh, come on. If you get B's and C's in today's contemporary academia, hopefully you're taking nuclear physics or something. Because mostly A's are for people who aren't lazy. Because we have had a massive great inflation thing that's gone on for 165 years now. I guarantee you no one in this room would without some study, could pass the test. Even the guys who are master's degrees in engineering and stuff would have to do some brush-up to pass the test that you used to have to take in Missouri or Kansas in the 1850s to go to high school. And those are backwood states. I took the test once, and I didn't pass. And I had a master's degree in history and study a lot. Proverbs 24, 10, if you faint in the day of adversity, that's the ESV, distress is the new American standard, trouble is uh, the old King James, new King James is adversity, your strength is small, new American standard says your strength is limited. Like how do you do when it's really getting intense? You know, Stephen Leopold is one of the hardest workers I ever know, but I, I always loved the day when we were digging this trench, and it, after about, like, 14 hours of digging, uh, certain people had dropped off two or three hours ago, and we're just sitting and watching, and Stephen and Bradbury were c- continuing to dig, and eventually Stephen just said, okay, I give up. <laughs> and I was like, you know, like, not that that's anything. It's not. But It's just... It's something. It's like wow. You know, obviously you need to go through a process where you transfer that kind of strength and endurance into Christ. Can Jesus count on you when Don't worry, Lord, I I'll, I'll not deny you. Everyone may fall away, but it won't be me. If you fall to pieces in a crisis, there, mu- there wasn't much to you in the first place. That's the message by Eugene Peterson. <laughs> I don't normally like paraphrases, but I thought that one was pretty good. If you fall to pieces in a crisis, you didn't have much depth to begin with. Believe me, the people who really succeed in life are the people who keep their head in crisis. And can help other people stay focused through the testings and trials and disappointments and rejections and things of life. That are all designed for your good. The worst things that ever happened to you are the best things that ever happened to you. And you have to, once you start to see that, then you're beginning to enter the kingdom of God. Uh, Long suffering, endurance, focus, priorities, foundations... One of the greatest hindrances of the baptism in the Spirit is that people go three months, six months, nine months, and they're not focused on it. They're doing this in their Christian life, and that in their Christian life, and the other thing in their Christian life. Don't leave Jerusalem until you get filled with power from on high. That's your next assignment if you've received Jesus. 24-7 seven days a week, read the books on it, read the book of Acts, study all the verses on it, and get ready and get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Don't do anything else until that. There's no other possible paths. Thank God for hardships. Develop a theology of suffering that won't sell but it will make you accomplish the purposes of God for your life. Most people that have blown like jobs, scholarship opportunities, all kinds of things because they just didn't have any depth of character and they didn't put themselves in the context of surrounding themselves with some brothers that would make them stay on the cross when, the, when God brought the crosses. Who is in your life to make you stay on the cross when it comes? Who have you said... These are the things that might make me run from the crosses that are coming. Don't let me do that. Who do you trust that much? And who knows you that well that, like, usually your wife? <laughs> Don't be a wimp here now. <laughs> <clears throat> Quit whining. Step up. All right. Um,. Active warfare versus resistance. I guess I'm going to have to get into that next week. I, I want you to understand that there's both. Like, some hindrances to getting baptized in the Holy Spirit are the second category there. Uh, that is uh, things about their state of being or tradition. And we're going to look at, those are all listed in, in Roman numeral 7, and we're not going to list them, they're on your outline. We're going to talk about what each of those mean in the next several weeks. But, um, the other thing, however, is there are your flesh does not want you to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Do you know why? This is important. I'm going to end with this. You have there are three enemies that do not want you to get baptized in the Spirit: the world system, the devil and his demons, and your flesh. And those of you who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, he wants you to speak in tongues and have a great experience and then go back to living. A life of complaining, whimpering, whining, not supernatural. He wants you to live like mere men instead of getting filled again and again and again and living supernaturally out of the power of his resurrection. Uh, Why? Because obviously he doesn't want you to be effective for the kingdom of God. Your flesh does not want to get baptized in the Spirit. You know why? Because getting baptized in the Spirit is all about grace. Grace. You don't get baptized in the spirit for because you're deserving of anything. And we have a hard time accepting the fact that because we were murderers or adulterers or bank robbers or drug addicts or procrastinators or whatever we feel guilty about, that he's offered us for forgiveness in Christ, reconciliation in Christ. He makes us a new creation with a clean slate, and you can't do a darn thing to deserve it. And you have to admit to receive it that you, would, that you were running from it. There's none who seeks for God, no, not one. And when you begin to realize how much he chose you and you didn't choose him, and in fact you ran from him, but he overruled that because of the greatness of his grace and drew you into his kingdom, when that happens, he gives you all the things he gives you because they're free. And you, not, you didn't deserve any of them. Now, that sounds like great news, but it actually isn't great news if you want to hang on to a little bit of self-deserving pride. Oh, I'm, I've been a Baptist all my life. I was a Christian since I was seven years old. I used to be a Eucharistic minister when I was a kid, and I wore robes and not played. You were a loser. <laughs> and he chose you anyway. And there's no reason for it except his gracious choice. And the baptism in the Spirit drives that point home to the nth degree. Amen. Amen.